Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning in the house of the Lord. My name is Amy Winkle. I'm the interim associate priest, and um, I'm thankful to be here with you this this morning um, as we enter into this last Sunday of Easter, um, and as, as Micah mentioned, our Ascension Sunday, and to kind of just like, close out this season of Easter together, uh, feasting, and um, that we've been able to share. So we're going to be in the, in the book of John this morning, um, chapter 17. So let's read together, see what the Lord has to say to us. Sorry, it's not as easy when I have the microphone in my hand. Sorry about that. All right, here we go. All right, chapter 17, we're going to be in verses 1 through 11. So after Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all people, to give eternal life to all whom he, you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made made your name known to those whom whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we just quiet our hearts before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the working of the Holy Spirit. We pray, God, that you would speak your word to us this morning. That, Lord, that we may hear you praying over us as we engage this text, God. That we would sense your presence with us, Lord. And we pray, God, that you may be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the last, um, for the last few weeks, we've been in this section of, of the book of John where Jesus is um, talking to his disciples during the Last Supper. And so he's trying to prepare them for what is coming. And so some, some of the scriptures that we've read the last couple of weeks have been in this particular section when we were talking about the vine and the branches, when we were talking about... Um, some of the other things, just like, like Jesus trying to like get them ready for when he's not actually with them um, anymore. And so he's trying to make sure that he says all that he wants them to know. And so I think that this is like a really, if we think about it, a really sacred and potent time for Jesus. 
Because when you know you're about to die, which Jesus does at this point, I mean, he's known that all along, but he's like, it's really coming down the tracks at this point. Things can get a little more tunnel vision. Our perspective can kind of narrow, and the things that are most important can take center stage. And so what we want is to like kind of lean in and hear what Jesus is saying in this particular moment of like what he's saying, like this is what, this is, what is most important. This is what takes center stage. Here's what I want you to, to hear and to remember. So we want to perk up our ears and really listen. I was thinking about, when I was thinking about this text, and it's kind of like this moment that Jesus is in, it reminded me of um, the time my dad passed away about four years ago. And those, that time leading up to his death, especially like in those last couple of months, when um, like we kind of knew that he was changing, we had a sense that things were, were going in that direction, but we ne- hadn't necessarily said it out loud yet. Um, I remember those conversations deeply, like one conversation in particular that I had with my dad before he went into the hospital, kind of his last hospital stay, when he was still at home, um, he and I sat and, and had a conversation, um, a theological conversation, which I'm sure y'all aren't surprised by. Um, he and I, my dad and I really enjoyed sitting and talking theology together. But that particular day, he asked me, what do you think heaven is like? And we had just a really beautiful conversation around what we thought without actually saying, like, I know you're about to die, and him saying, I know I'm about to die. But to be able to say, like, here's what I think heaven's like, and to be able to sort of share that space together, it kind of it became sacred space. And I can look back on that and say, see, like, that was sacred space and really want to, like, remember the words that he said in, in that conversation. And I think that is, this is, that's the type of moment that Jesus is having with his disciples here in John, that he's telling them what he wants them to know and trying to help them to understand kind of what's happening and what God is up to. But then we get to this chapter, this part of the text in chapter 17. What we see is Jesus' attention, his attention moves from the disciples actually to the Father. And Jesus begins praying. But it seems like a similar moment. Like maybe there are things that Jesus wants to say to the Father before he goes to the cross. And maybe there are things that he wants the the disciples to hear him say to the Father before he goes to the cross. And so our ears should perk up and we should become curious. Like what is it that Jesus wants to say in this moment? What does Jesus choose to pray in such a critical moment? Like where is his heart at? Like don't you want to know? Like Jesus is kind of sitting in this moment and he sees the cross coming before him. And like what's really stirring in his heart? Stirring him even to the, to the point of, of just like this deep, deep prayer to the Father. It's an intimate and vulnerable moment between Jesus and his disciples. And it's also a really intimate and vulnerable moment between the Son and the Father. And so we see Jesus' attention and his prayer focus on a couple of things. First of all, Jesus asked that God would glorify him as he glorifies the Father. Now, what we see in this, in this particular place is like this interplay between two persons of the Trinity. And I just want to say, like, anytime we kind of start talking about the Trinity and trying to put words and, like, you know, things around it, it's, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> there's a lot of mystery there. But there's kind of this interplay that's happening between um, the Son and the Father. And almost like this dizzying way that Jesus is trying to kind of talk about the Father's glory and his own glory and the work um, that the Father has given him to do. 
So what is it that Jesus is asking of the Father? Why is he so concerned about being glorified by the Father? It's interesting language for Jesus, right? Like, he's not always worried about his own glory. Like, he's concerned about showing the glory to the Lord. And so in this moment, though, he's asking God to glorify him. Why? Like, what's at play here? I think what's kind of underlying this is the vision of Philippians 2, where we see that in the incarnation, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be held onto or grasped onto, but instead he, t- he chose to lay it down and to take on the form of a servant. Now, at no point was Jesus not the second person of the Trinity when he was walking on this earth, and yet there are parts of his divinity that were actually hidden to us during the incarnation. Like, he couldn't be all places at at all times, right? He had to limit himself, in some ways, to take on flesh. He had to lay down part of his, of, of like, his divinity to make it hidden so that he could actually walk in flesh on on the earth. So there are ways that his glory was not on full display. A lot of the time, Jesus was just walking around the streets of Galilee with his disciples looking pretty normal. Like, that's just kind of what, what, you know, there wasn't some, like, big halo around his head like we see in pictures sometimes, and, like, the, you know, the glory coming down on him. No, he looked like us, and yet there was something very different about him. And so I wonder if in this exchange between Jesus and the Father, what Jesus is saying is, is asking the Father, will you restore the fullness of my glory to me? The parts that I laid down or that were hidden, have been hidden from view while I've been on earth, will the Father restore him fully? Will he, like, come back into his, his fullness? Because the time has come, Jesus says. The hour is now upon us. Jesus has done the work that he was sent to do. And on the cross, he completes the work that God has, has sent him to do by bringing God and humans back together, of showing us who God is, so that we might know God. When Jesus talks about this is eternal life, that we know God. And so if knowing God is the way to eternal life, then Jesus has displayed God to us in his day-to-day life and and will continue to show, continues to show us who he is when he goes to the cross. Continues to show us the heart of God by taking that road. And now Jesus is saying, Restore, restore my full glory as I had before in your presence. What I've laid down, can, will you give it back to me? But I wonder if there's more to it than that. I wonder if in his petition, he's also praying that all of this, his life, his death, his resurrection, that it will all have a sense of meaning and purpose, right? That by asking that the Son be glorified, Jesus is praying that meaning will be brought to all that he's gone through and all that he will go through. Like there's this sense of coming full circle, of letting go and then picking it back up again. And I wonder if the cry of Jesus' heart in this moment when he's sitting with the disciples and praying to the Father that is before he goes to the cross is just to ask his Father to make sure that it matters and to remind himself that this is not the end of the story. I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? Like that Jesus would just be saying like, like just glorify me, God, as I'm trying to glorify you. Like make this mean something. 
Make this be part of this bigger story that we're trying to tell. And so as we come to this text and kind of lean in and listen to what, what Jesus is praying, what do we hear? Here's what I think some of the things that Jesus is, really wants us to know. Like as the disciples are kind of leaning in and listening as Jesus is praying to the Father. I mean, wouldn't you want to be there? Like I love that they, like they share it with us. Here's, what Je- here's what's on Jesus' heart in this moment. Jesus is concerned with us knowing who God is. Of showing us who the Father is who the, and who God is in, in, in our lives. And so if you find yourself having difficulty understanding who God is or what he's all about, or if you have images of God in your mind that make you kind of question, like, who, like, who is this? Can he really be trusted? I encourage you to look to Jesus because knowing Jesus is knowing God. Looking to Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection is the best way that we can understand who God is. And even in his final hours, we see Jesus is concerned with us actually knowing who he is. Knowing who God is and what this whole thing is about. And he's concerned about finishing the work that's been set before him. Another thing that we hear Jesus say is he's like praying to the Father and asking God to glorify him. Is that he wants to know that all of this work and this difficulty will matter. Like I said, that it will mean something. And I wonder if this is one of those moments when Jesus is actually is, is continuing to embody humanity and therefore something that we can relate to. For those of us who may be going through a difficult time or in a time when things seem confusing or hidden, when that pruning is happening like we talked about last week, I think that we can be comforted by this prayer that Jesus is praying. To be reminded that there's a greater purpose in all of our difficulties and confusion. There's a bigger story that this is not the end of the story. That this moment for Jesus before he goes to the cross is not the end of the story. That whatever like the hardship or difficulties that we're going through in this moment is not the end of the story, but that there is hope. Because if if that is true for Jesus, then it will be true for us as well. So Jesus continues on in his praying to, to the Father, and what he does is he turns his attention then to praying for the disciples specifically, for these faithful ones who have walked with him throughout his earthly life. And we see him begin to pray for them. And what he asks of the Lord is that, he would, that the Father would protect them. And so we hear the shepherd language that we saw in John 10 a couple of weeks ago, this good shepherd who has been looking after his sheep and wanting them to have the protection even when he is no longer with them. He wants to be sure that they will continue to be cared for, just as he has cared for them. And so he asks the Father that they may be, he says, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. This idea of being, like, kept in in his name, um, Marianne Thompson, who's a a scholar who wrote a a commentary on John, said, to be kept in your name means to be protected or guarded as those who belong to the Father and so are identified or marked by the Father's name. It's almost this idea of kind of the Father's name just providing this covering over them and showing showing them who they belong to because Jesus knows what's coming. He knows that they're going to scatter. 
He knows that they're going to be very confused about what's about to happen, even though he's trying to, like, prepare them and warn them. Once Jesus is arrested, they're just going to, like, go and try to figure out what in the world is happening. And so they're going to feel like a sheep without a shepherd. And so his prayer is that the Father would be a covering over them and that they would be bound together as the Son and the Father are bound together, that they would know that they, who they belong to. Because the reality is, is that when we know who we belong to, things can tend to not feel so scary or disorienting. There's like a groundedness to it. Like I know where I belong, right? Like when we feel like we don't belong anywhere, it's very disorienting. But when we know who we belong to and where we belong, we can be grounded in that. And so what we see as the, as the, um, the text goes along is that actually Jesus' prayer for the disciples is, is, is actually answered. That after the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, like their lives actually become very grounded in who they are in Jesus. They know who they are. And they know what this story is all about. Any doubt about what God is up to goes away. And the disciples continue the work of Jesus, the work given to him by the Father, and they take the world by storm. Not necessarily by the world's measure of success, but in how they spread the good news. Like we see the disciples being grounded in this sense of who they are in, in, the, in the Father and going out and sharing this good news, this good news that the word of God has become, became flesh and dwelt among us, and that he went to the cross and he was crucified, he was died, and he was raised again. And that reality for all of us should change everything. It changed the lives of the disciples, and it changes our lives at the very, very core. And so we, when we get this reality into our hearts, it should just change us from the inside out. And that is why Jesus is praying for his disciples, that they would get what all of this is, is for, what all of this is about. And he's praying it for you and for me as well. If That if we truly get what it is that he came to do, that he came to, to show us who God is and to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves, to get us back into communion with God, that it changes everything. So my question for you today is, what is it that you need Jesus to pray for you for? Are there places where you feel scattered or uncertain? Are you not sure what God is up to? Or you're not sure how this whole thing is going to end up? Do you feel alone? Do you feel unprotected? Do you need to be reminded that you belong to God? The reality is, in this text, is that Jesus, the prayer of Jesus continues. And it continues in the Spirit. Roman 8, Romans 8 tells us that likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows that what is the, what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of, the word of God. So the reality is, is that the prayer continues, that Jesus' prayer, prayer over us never stopped, but the Spirit continues to intercede on our behalf and pray for us in our weakness. I mean, just think about that. 
How much of the time do we just feel alone and that we have been left to fend for ourselves? And how much in our lives would change if we could hear the prayers of heaven, the Spirit interceding on our behalf to say, I know you are weak, but I have not left you alone. I want you to know me. I want to change you. And so may we lean in and hear the intercession of the Spirit that's happening all around us and remember who we belong to, that we are not alone. You are not alone. And this story is not over. Amen. Let's pray. God, for those of us who may be struggling today, for those of us who need to be reminded that you're not finished yet, that our stories are part of your bigger story of redemption and reconciliation. God, would you come near to us? Lord, would you open up heaven and let us hear the prayers of heaven as you cover us, as you pray over us? Would you ground us and keep us, Lord, in your love that we may know that we belong to you and that you are redeeming this world and you are redeeming us? God, may you just continue to work in us and carry out your story through us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.